you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. What's up, Movement Church? What's up, Movement Church? Good to see all of your beautiful faces. Let's say welcome back to our students who are back from camp. And our student leaders who will definitely fall asleep during my message tonight, I'm sure. Hey, can we give it up for our student leaders who gave relentlessly for our kids this weekend? Heard great reports, and I'm excited to hear more and uh, see all that God's doing. Uh, the guys who tore down at student camp just walked in. They smell like sweat, but I'm grateful. Give me, give it up for TJ, Tanner, and Dave back here. I mean, just drove in from Big Bear smelling like sweat, but they worked hard, and we're grateful. You know, there's things that people don't ever see that go into making a student camp happen, and moments where the Holy Spirit shows up and radically changes lives, and it's because of a team of people behind the scenes who took off work, who showed up early, stayed late, and so just one more time, can we give it up for our student leaders? I'm just telling you, one of the world-class team, so grateful. And, uh, you know, while we're at it, I'm grateful for the new face up here today was Pastor Ryan. He's the worship pastor at this church, Mountain View Church, and one of the guys up here singing. Can we give it up for him as well? So thankful for helping fill in for the week. And uh, my name is Carrie, by the way. <laughs> to those of you that are new with us, to those of you that are online, it's good to see you. And uh, this is our in-person gathering, but this is not our church building. We actually rent from this church. So if you don't like what you see here, show up tomorrow at 9 and 11. They got a great church as well. But man, we're just excited that you're with us and excited about what God's about to do. We're in week two of our series. And uh, I'm excited about this series called Spill the Tea, which is just all about relationships that we're in and how to, how to grow and how to become the people that God's called us to become to build healthy relationships. And I just want to just challenge you to lean in during this series. In fact, I don't think many of you know what Spill the Tea actually means. Uh, I don't even know. I had to have someone younger than me explain it, but I think it's like, what's all the 411, the info, the gossip? I think that's the term. Uh, so we're not going to gossip here, but that is what that means. Y'all like, why are we spilling tea? I don't understand. And so, you know what? It's, it is what it is. So turn to your neighbor and say, it is what it is. Uh, I do. I'm excited. I wanna, I'm going to give you some, a lot of information. So you're going to need to take notes. And if I don't see you on your phones taking notes, I'm coming down off this pulpit, and I'm going to pull your phone out of your pocket and make sure you're taking notes. It's going to be some good stuff. Hold on to that, Joe. Uh, we're going to dive into a lot of content. I'm going to go as fast as I can. But I think that we're going to all kind of leave here today with, with the Holy Spirit doing something uh, miraculous in our lives. And this, this series specifically is about marriage, it's about dating, it's about every relationship that you're in, because this, this sermon tonight is about you. Uh, in fact, this is not for the person that is seated next to you, it's not for the person that dragged you here, this message is specifically for you. In all the relationships that you're in, you is the common denominator, can I get an amen? And so I, I want to just talk about this for a moment, because... Uh, it, it, we have this natural instinct 
in, in our relationships to like people who like us and who choose us. We, we have a natural inclination to like people who like us and choose us. And, and, and that transcends beyond just human interactions. There is a living being at my home that literally uh, will eat whatever food is left out on the counter and then just diarrhea all over the place. And, and then I will have to walk this living being and, and, and take a plastic bag and put it over my hand after she has done the dirty stuff, and I'll pick it up with a plastic bag. I'm talking about my daughter, Brooklyn. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And this, this living being is an 85-pound black lab, and she's a nuisance. She sheds all over the place, and yet I love her. And you know why? Because every morning when I wake up, she sits at my feet waiting for me to say hi to her. She's like, hey, you're the greatest thing on the planet. Now, it's the only person in my life that tells me that. So I'm like, oh, you, I love you so much. And, and then when I come home tonight, when I get home from church, she will be there, her entire body wagging. And she hugs by gunning through your legs and she'll just loop around your leg over and over. She's like, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And because she chooses me, I choose her. And I'll pick up her poop. And then when she eats stuff she shouldn't eat, I'll clean it up. And when she sheds all over the place, I'll vacuum it up. Because she likes me and I like her and we're friends. And we do that in our relationships. But the challenge is if our relationships are solely based on a mutual liking, on people who choose us or that I choose, we're in trouble. Because liking is fleeting. What I like changes. And I just want to talk to you for a moment about you. Because I don't, I don't think you have to live life that way. I think you can have healthy, amazing relationships no matter what. In fact, Danny Silk talks about it like this in his book, Keep Your Love On, which I'm going to pull a lot from tonight. He says it's time for us to take responsibility and ownership in our relationships to choose to be what he calls powerful people. It's the notion or the idea that I take responsibility for my life, I take responsibility for my choices, and I take responsibility for the role that I play in every relationship. So this message tonight may be challenging. And I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you. But this is God's heart for us. We see this in scripture when we look at one of the early books in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, we see a chief character who comes on the scene, and he's like the heir apparent to one of the greatest characters in the Bible named Moses. Moses was a leader of millions of slaves that had just been freed, and they were headed towards their promised land. And then Moses' life comes to an end. Joshua takes over, and now he has to lead in the shadow and the footsteps of this amazing historical legend. And not only that, he is now tasked with the responsibility of taking these millions of former slaves into the promised land. It's a little bit daunting. It's a little scary. And if I was in Joshua's shoes, I would have probably felt a little powerless and overwhelmed. But God is reminding Joshua in this scripture that he has a different plan for Joshua. In fact, in Joshua chapter one, verse nine, the Lord speaks to Joshua and he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Turn to your neighbor and say, be strong. 
Turn to your second choice and say, be courageous. He said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And I love how this passage continues. It says, do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In fact, the, the, the God begins to speak and goes on and says, wherever the soles of your feet tread, I will give you that land. Be strong and courageous. Over and over and over again, Joshua's reminded, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. You are a powerful individual. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. And I just want to encourage you in every relationship you're in, in whatever season, in whatever dynamic you're walking through, that God's called you to be a powerful, strong, confident warrior. And I just want us to lean in tonight and see what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us as individuals. In fact, I've got some rules for you, three rules. Number one, I want you to take notes. So pull your phone out. You can find my notes for you in our app. If you don't have that, your phone probably has a notepad. If you don't have a cell phone, bum some paper and a pen. Number one, take notes. Number two, listen for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm listening for me. Hey, listen, if you're married in here, do not, look at me, do not listen for your spouse. If you're dating in here, do not listen for your boyfriend or your girl. Listen to me, you listen for yourself. And rule number three, I want you to lean into the Holy Spirit and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you help me identify the things that I need to work on. And we'll dive through this content with 26 minutes left in this service. And I think we'll leave here walking in the fullness of the courage and strength that God's given us. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray? God, we just thank you that you're here in this place. We thank you for what you're up to. We thank you that you are with our friends who are watching online, wherever they may be. And you have great plans for us. You've created us to be strong and courageous. And times, at times, God, it's difficult to do that. It's difficult to do that in relationships. But today, as we lean in to learn and to listen, I pray that you would help us to see the things that we need to adjust to become the powerful people you've created us to be. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, I pray. And everybody said, let's try that again. And everybody said, amen and amen. I forgot to honor, we've got a great friend here with us all the way from the beautiful state of Louisiana. We've got Jessica Parham and Abby and Trey, fan favorites at the Movement Church. It's good to see you guys. Trey, you're like 18 feet tall. And just as beautiful as ever. Abby, stunning. Great to see you. Great to see you. It's good to have you guys. You guys are fan favorites, so we love you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Let's get back into the message. I've got so much content to cover. I see about three of you with your cell phones. The rest of you, I'm judging harshly, and I'm praying for your soul. You might not make it to heaven. Let's dive in. What does it take? What does it mean to be a powerful person, to walk in the strength and courage that God has intended for me in order to actually unpack what that looks like. We actually need to unpack what it means to be or to live with qualities of powerlessness, to be powerless in environments and in relationships. And I'm pulling a lot of resources from a great book that I've read twice called Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. Keep Your Love On. You need to get it and read it. It's phenomenal. But he talks about the qualities of a powerless 
person. And I want to talk about this. And remember, you're listening for yourself, no one else. And what we want to do is identify things inside of us that we need to work on and adjust and change so that we can build the healthy relationships that God has intended for us to build. So let's talk about some qualities of a powerless person. Number one, a powerless person uses powerless language. What often reveals our mindset is the language that we use, the words that we speak. And powerless people will often use powerless language. The hallmarks of a powerless person are statements like, I can't, and I have to. I can't do that, and it's too hard, and, or I have to clean up. I have to go to work. I have to spend time with so-and-so. It's the idea or the notion that I feel powerless to take responsibility for my actions, so I will say that someone or something else is making me do it. I'll, I'll try is common language for powerless people. It's this idea that if I try, if I use the words I'll try, it absolves me of responsibility if I don't come through on a commitment or a promise. And it's this language that's rooted in the belief that you don't have the power to manage yourself. Powerless language. Powerless people are also driven by fear and anxiety. And, and it makes sense because life is scary. When, when the world around you, or more importantly, when you believe that most things and most people in your world are more powerful than you are. The fear of loss and pain and death and abandonment are overwhelming. And then what happens is when I'm driven by fear, I, I want to relieve this abiding problem within me. If I feel like I am a victim of everything else around me, I've got to get rid of this fear that's within. But the problem is powerless people don't feel they have any power to change their circumstances. So I need other people to protect me. I need other people to make me happy. I need other people to take responsibility for my life. And what happens so often is powerless people shift to control and manipulation in the relationships that they're in. All because I feel powerless to change anything. Hey, look at me for a moment. That's not God's heart for you. That's why he told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you you go. That promise is true for Joshua, and that promise is true for you right here in this moment. The power of language, the power of fear and anxiety. Powerless people approach relationships as consumers. Why? Because I feel powerless in my current environment. I feel powerless in what I'm walking through. So I look to everyone else to make me happy, to make me joyful, to make me content, or to meet my needs. And I love how Danny Silk says this. He says, subconsciously, powerless people think, you look happy. I need some of your happy in my life. We should get together so I can consume all of your happy. And if you're in a relationship or have been in relationships where you constantly find yourself frustrated at what other people are not doing for you, you might be a consumer. If you found a track record in your relationships that you're constantly frustrated with the fact that people just aren't quite being for you what you need them to be, you might be operating from a powerless perspective. And I know that might be painful. And what I'm not doing is, is thinking of you specifically or trying to point a finger. What I'm suggesting is that we, we might be operating in modes of relationships we were never created to operate in. 
And the challenge is that we might actually be creating a cyclical effect in every relationship. If you look through the lens of your friendships and relationships and all you see is bridge burned after bridge burned after bridge burned, then you might be part of the problem. I'm not suggesting you haven't been hurt or, or frustrated or abandoned or neglected or misused or abused. I'm just merely suggesting that you might be looking through the wrong lens in your relationships. You were never created to be this way. Powerless people blame others for their problems or the mess that they've made. The reason their life is the way it is is because of their marriage or their children or their finances or their job and has nothing to do with my choices or my behavior, the way that I'm living. Someone else, maybe my parents or my spouse or my teacher or maybe just society, created the life that I'm living because I don't have the power to create my own life. These are just some qualities of, of powerless people. And I just wonder who, who in here might be feeling that way right now. And, and this is not to create shame or condemnation, but to say you're not created to live that way. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If God had to remind Joshua nine times in the beginning of his story, then maybe you and I need a reminder tonight. Be strong and courageous. Notice the scripture didn't, God didn't tell Joshua, be perfect in everything you do. He didn't say, never make a mistake, Joshua. He didn't say, it's okay. He didn't say, never be afraid. He didn't say, hey, life will always be perfect. He said, no, no, it's, there's going to be some challenges. Just be strong and courageous, not because you have everything you need, but why? Because the Lord your God is with you but doesn't just stop there he's with you wherever you go thank you david i appreciate that from the back of the room when we live in this mode of powerlessness at the whim of our circumstances and environment it actually creates what what cartman referred to as the drama triangle three different roles that each of us might play in any given relationship I just want to unpack this for a moment. When we operate from a position of powerlessness, it creates these three different roles that we play in our relationship. And listen, all of us fit into this at one point or another in every relationship. I can tell you already put the slide up. Everybody stop talking, looking at me. Perfect. Thank you. All of us fit into one of these three at any given time in our relationship, depending on how we're looking at the current circumstances and how we're allowing God to do a transformational work within us. The rescuer, the persecutor, and the victim. The persecutor uses control and intimidation to protect yourself or to get someone else to meet your needs. The rescuer takes responsibility for someone else's life in an attempt to feel powerful. And the victim looks for a rescuer to make you feel safe and happy. The persecutor disparages other people's worth with criticism, judgmental statements, with hurts and punishment and blames. It's all your fault. You can't do anything right. But the rescuer disparages other people's skills by taking responsibility without even being asked, let me help you. And the victim disparages 
yourself, feeling helpless and hopeless, rejecting and complaining, manipulating. I can't do it on my own. Poor me. And listen, all of us have the ability to fall into any of these categories. You just might lean one direction over the other. You know, when I'm under stress personally, and maybe things are, are, are getting a little bit challenging in church or there's relational strife, I'll feel it internally. And, and then because I can't control everything, I often project my frustrations on those that are closest to me. This isn't hypothetical. I'm telling you transparently, this is how I often operate. And then often my family gets my sloppy leftovers because internally I have a pressure I can't control and I project onto them. But then there's times when I see people and part of the job that I have is helping put pieces back together and, and helping be a, a coach to steer you in the direction of God's purpose for your plan uh, and your life and your destiny. So I can often see people and just go, I can help you. And you, you I, I've got that. Let me tell you, I know where to take you. And I can often step in and become a rescuer. And, and, and then I become a sweep up these people who feel helpless and hopeless. And sometimes I can feel like a victim. When I scroll through Instagram and I see an event I wasn't invited to. Or people who are hanging out and they didn't call me. Does this make sense? When we operate from a position of powerlessness, we tend to fall into one of these categories. The one I tend to fall into the most is the rescuer. I tend to want to help everybody, but it's actually an insecurity. It stems from me trying to feel powerful. So no hands raised, but where do you fit? Where, where do you lean? Listen to this. The persecutor persecutes to feel superior. The rescuer helps to feel superior. The victim avoids responsibilities to feel inferior. Can you see these at work in the relationships that you have? My, my hope tonight is not to make everyone hate everything about their life and friendships and marriage, but to allow the Holy Spirit to sweep in and say, here's some things to make some adjustments with. Thanks, Megan. We switch in and out of these roles all the time. Danny Silk says this, that the subconscious fears driving the drama triangle go something like this. I live in a perpetual state of anxiety because I feel out of control. In adding you to my life, I've increased my anxiety because I can't control you either. And now I'm threatened by everything that you do that I didn't decide for you. Until you let me control you, I don't feel safe in this relationship. Unless you let me control you, you don't love me. The challenge is that there's this unspoken pact between powerless people that it's my job to make you happy and your job to make me happy. And then the challenge is it goes on from there. The best way to get you to work on my life is to act miserable. To act miserable. The more miserable I am, the more you'll have to try to make me feel better. Powerless people use tactics like getting upset and withdrawing and nagging and ridiculing and pouting and crying and getting angry and all in an attempt to pressure you or manipulate me and punish you into keeping this pact. We create this perpetual cycle. 
And it wasn't the way you were created to live. You were created to operate from a position of strength and courage. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's talk about the qualities of a powerful person. Let's talk about the qualities of, of a powerful person. And, and now, now, contrary to what you might think, it doesn't mean they're the loudest person in the room or the dominating voice in the room. In fact, it could be just the opposite. Powerful people simply choose who they want to be with. They choose what they're going to pursue in life, and they choose how they're going to go after. Let's talk about a few qualities of powerful people as I have 11 minutes and 41 seconds to wrap up our message tonight. Number one, powerful people choose to control themselves and not others. Control themselves and not others. You cannot control other people. It doesn't work. And listen to me, it's not your job. Hey, parent, you cannot control your kids. You might think that. You might live in that illusion. But just wait till they hit 14. And let's just remember what you were like at 14. Can I get an amen from some people who know what I'm talking about? Hey, ladies, if you're married, hey, ladies, I don't know why I thought that, but I did. If you're married, you cannot control your spouse. Husbands, you cannot control your spouse. If you're here and you're dating, you cannot control the person that you're dating. You can try. You can think that you can manipulate them into doing this, but you cannot control. Why? Because God gave us free will. God chose not to control us. He could have. He could have created us, put us in the Garden of Eden, and made us robotic, and we do everything exactly like he said. But he said, no, 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 I love you so much that I'm going to give you the ability to choose. That is the epitome of love. So this message is not for your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. This message is for you. It's not your job to change your spouse or your friend or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Look, let's go back to the story of Joshua. Later on in Joshua chapter 24, we see he's already taken over the clans and now he's leading his people and they're inheriting the promised land and the people whom he loved, the people whom he spent the last 80 years of his life with are becoming frustrated. They're becoming discouraged. They're becoming disgruntled. They're, they're giving up on their faith. They're choosing, though, even though they walk through the Dead Sea, the Red Sea on dry ground, they're going to choose that God's not big enough to help them inherit the land. Even though every morning bread would appear on the ground before them, they're choosing not to believe in that same God. Even though there was a moment when quail fell from heaven and got as high as a man's shoulder and they ate this quail that God. God delivered, they're choosing not to believe in this same God. And Joshua's frustrated. God has done this maturation process, this seasoning within him, and he is seeing God do something amazing. Somewhere along the lines, the statement, be strong and courageous for the Lord God, your God is with you wherever you go, is resonating with him. And he gets up in front of the assembly, and he's ticked off. He's frustrated with the wavering faith of the people that he is leading. And he says these very strong words. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Listen, if you're going to waver in your faith, waver. Fine, that's, that's fine. You decide what you're going to believe. Whether you, you serve the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And he says this, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
Joshua wasn't swayed by the lack of faith of his family and friends, nor did he try to manipulate them into believing what he believed. He just said, no, I'm choosing today. I'm choosing today. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the God who got us out of Egypt. I'm going to trust the God who provided food for us when we were hungry. I'm going to trust the God who brought water out of a rock in the middle of a desert. I'm choosing to trust. Whether all you jokers run and turn and hide, I'm choosing to serve the Lord. And that's what powerful people do. They choose to control themselves and not other. Powerful people, listen, set the standard for how they want to be treated by the way that they treat others. Powerful people don't try to get people to respect them. They just create respectful environments by showing respect. Like, I, I, I'm going to create the atmosphere in, in, right here in this place. There's going to be an atmosphere of honor. There's going to be an atmosphere of respect. This is how we treat people. This is how we talk to people. And I love that component. Matthew 7 says this, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. This sums up the law and the prophets. Powerful people refuse to become victims of their environments or the choices of others. I'm not a victim of what has happened in my life or the choices that other people made around me. They influence their environment more than their environment influences them. I've told this story before, but there's a moment in my life, I was 11 or 12 years old, my, my mom, my dad, and three of my six siblings were in the car. So there was five of us total. The older three were out and married and living somewhere else, and all of our belongings were in this light baby blue Buick LeSabre. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. With a white soft top. Ford, what's thing was like made out of pure tank metal. Back in those days, you got a car accident, you'd be like, well, what happened? I don't even know. <laughs> and in the back seat, there was this oval window in this white soft top. And I remember sitting in the parking lot of this department store and my mom and dad praying and not knowing what we were going to do or where we were going to sleep that night. That's traumatizing for a child. My parents didn't know what to do, and I'm in the back seat with my 11-year-old conscience trying to figure out what's next. And I'll never forget the Holy Spirit whispering to me and saying, Carrie, you get to decide right now. Will you allow your environments to impact you, or will you impact your environments? I remember wrestling with the notion of, I, I, I think I'm done with faith in you, God. I think I'm done trying to, we've been in church our whole life. My parents have given every chance they ever got. God, this doesn't make sense. And I just remember the Holy Spirit saying, you get to choose. Will this impact you for the rest of your life or will you impact your own life? Are you tracking with me today? You are not a victim of your environment or the choices of people around you. Listen, and I know that might be hard to hear because some of you have walked through some very traumatic experiences. Abuse, neglect. Some of you were born into households that you didn't choose. And the way you were treated is unacceptable. Look at me in the eyes. Unacceptable. And for that, I am sorry. And I know you carry a burden that I don't carry. But I just want to suggest some liberation for you today. You don't have to allow that to impact your future. You can be strong and courageous. You might walk with a limp, 
but you can be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. So refuse to become the victim of your environment or the choices of others. Powerful people, listen, require others to be powerful around them. Not talking about projecting power as a bully or a rescuer or a persecutor, but I love what Danny Silk says in the book. He says, when powerful people encounter a powerless person, they are not tempted to dive into the unhealthy drama triangle. They hear a victim's story and ask, so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What have you tried? What else can you try? These questions confront powerless people with the responsibility and their capacity to make choices and control themselves. This is the only option a powerful person will offer to powerless people. Become powerful, make choices, and control yourself. Look at this. After failing to get a powerful person to offer them any more options, powerless people will either change in order to start living powerfully or they will find someone else to dump on. Look at me in the eyes. Some of you right now are in relationships and the climate, the atmosphere of that relationship is impacting you in an unhealthy way. Look at me in the eyes. And some of you are the unhealthy environment. And God's calling us to change. Are you tracking with me? You know, I, I think about the nature of this. And remember, all of us have the ability to fall into these different categories. But we can't stay there. And Joe, I need your help for a moment. Can you just stand right here at the bottom of the stage? And Joe is a powerful person. He's a great friend and a great pastor. Y'all grateful for Pastor Joe? I don't know if Camera One can get this for our friends that are online. Hopefully you can. But if, let's just say, for instance, that Joe is a victim. Joe operates from a position of powerlessness. Joe refuses to, to hear the truth of God's word when it reminds him that he is strong and courageous, that the Lord, his God, is with him wherever he goes, and he's constantly a victim of his environment, constantly a victim of the choices of people around him. He's constantly bombarded by fear and anxiety because we live in a scary world, and here I am, and I, I struggle at times as well to be overwhelmed with anxiety and fear, and sometimes I, I feel like a victim, but I'm trying to operate, and I'm trying to walk in a position of powerfulness that really that God has called me to be who I am created to be, which is beyond what I can see right now. If I surround myself with Joe and I try to pull Joe up on this stage, it's going to be a lot more difficult than it is for Joe to pull me down off this stage. Settle down, Joe. I'll punch you in the face. I mean, I could try, and if he helped me, he could step up if he wanted to. Go ahead, step up. Don't let him see your butt crack. Okay. <laughs> but he would have to make a conscious decision to do so. So I can influence him in a way that says, come on, Joe. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to be that individual. Get up here. God has more for you. But at a certain point, Joe's going to have to take a step up. Can you jump back down without hurting your knee? But if I'm in this relationship, I'm going, come on, Joe. And he's like, I can't. 
It's just so... Then at some point, something's got to give. And what's going to happen when I'm not having a good day? Or I get in a big fight with my wife, which never happens. But Man, I get let go from my job or... I'm struggling. Joe, man, I'm, I'm having a hard time. And Joe's going to be like, yeah, doesn't life suck? <laughs> it really is difficult. Are you tracking with me? It's going to be difficult for me to stay in a position where God created me to be. And, you know, maybe Joe isn't going to take some steps up. But, you know, what I can do, hey, Joe, there's a staircase right there. Come over here, Joe. Follow me, cameras. Get ready. Here's what you're going to do. Come over to this stair. Take your left leg and bend it at the knee. Place it on top of the stair. Now apply all pressure onto that step. Step up. Come on, Joe. Give it up for Joe. He made it. He goes down. It's not my responsibility to get him on the stage. It's not my responsibility to help him walk in the fullness that God has created. I'm supposed to be there for him, but not to the detriment of me walking in my calling. Look at me in my eyes. And what do you do if that's a spouse? Get out. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm kidding. That's hard. But you know what my encouragement would be? Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And if I made a covenant not to Joe but to a spouse who's struggling. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to stay strong. And I'm going to keep saying, hey, come on. The stairs are right over here. They're right over here. Come on, you got this. Be strong and courageous. Wherever you put that sole of your shoe, God's going to give it to you. So one step at a time, baby step. Just tiny little baby steps. Look at me. Is your environment influencing you or are you influencing your environment? Let's talk about your faith at the marketplace where you work, at the school that you go to. When, when the conversation shifts to a conversation that's not healthy or godly, are you being pulled down or are you pulling people up? Now, I didn't stand up here from a position of self-righteousness because self-righteousness would be pride. And pride comes before the fall. I stand up here from a position of grace. I don't have this figured out, but I've walked through some of the things you've walked through and I'm here with you. Are you tracking with me tonight? Are you changing the environments that you're in? Or are they changing you? Number five, powerful people take responsibility for their decisions. I gotta hustle through these. They take responsibility for their decisions, including the consequences of those decisions, which means mistakes and failures. Stop blaming other people. Stop it. Even if you have been wrong and it impacted your life, stop blaming other people. What you're doing is giving them power over your future. And start saying, God, I I'm gonna walk towards what you've given me with strength and courage because you're with me. So take responsibility. 
how you respond to today will create your tomorrow. Use powerful language. I will. I do. Say yes and no and mean it. Powerful people can consistently be who they say they are. And guys, this is the way you want to live. You don't have to be fake. You don't have to be one way in front of some people and another way in front of others. You can just be who you are. And it's amazing because God made you that way. Proverbs 11 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. So you get to be who you were created to be at all times. You don't have to fake it until you make it. It's okay if you have weak days. Being powerful doesn't mean you're always strong. God wouldn't have had to tell Joshua that if he was always strong. He said it because sometimes Joshua felt weak. Who in this room has ever felt weak before? Would you lift your hands for a moment? The rest of you are liars. There's only two of you. We'll talk to you afterwards. (laughs) Powerful people create a safe place, listen to this, to know and be known intimately. If you can authentically be who God created you to be on a regular basis, then when people get around you, that that authenticity is contagious and, and they get the real you. And it inspires people to be the real them. And that word intimately is terrifying for a lot of guys in the room. We're not talking about it in a physical sense. We're just talking about an authentic sense. Look at me in the eyes for a moment. We live in a world that is plagued with putting on the pretense of something that you are not. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to live that way. Maybe the real you has some rough edges. That's okay. Me too. But the greatest way to allow the Holy Spirit to work on those rough edges is when I am the real me. And when you are the real you, to be known and to know intimately. And that, look at me in the eyes, that's what you want in every relationship. There's no baloney. There's no B-schmess. I've got a couple people to wake up there for a moment. It's just authenticity. that is what's amazing about that is that's the way God looks at you and me anyways he sees the part of us that we try to hide and he sees the part of us that we try not to let people in on and he sees every crack and crevice and he knows all the thoughts and all the challenges and he still chooses you and it's the model for our relationships in fact just for a moment there's some of you in this room and some of you who are watching online you need to know that God already chose you. And you might be missing the starting block of choosing a relationship with him. He already chose you. We were born flawed and imperfect with sin, and sin has a consequence. But Jesus paid the consequence of my sin and yours. By dying on the cross, he took that all on his shoulders because he chose you. And if you want to walk in the fullness 
of God's plan for your life, you actually have to choose him to start with him. And the Bible talks about it being a declaration of faith from your mouth that says, I am choosing you. And if you're here and you've never done that, today's your day with no embarrassment to you. Nobody in the room has to even know. And if you're online today, is your day. And look at me, some of you in this room, you've been running from God. It's time to choose him again. Would you do me a favor? Everyone in the room, nobody moving, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If that's you today, right now, your moment, it's time to choose him. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want to ask you right where you're at with a small whisper or the quietness of your own heart just to make this prayer your own. And if you're here and it's time to choose him again for the first time in a long time to make this prayer yours, just say, Dear God, I know you're real, and I know you love me. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? Say this, I choose you. Make these words your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.